Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food entrepreneurs about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I'm talking with Fazia O'Day. But real quick, I wanted to check, have you created a website for your business yet? And if you have, do you pay for it? A lot of entrepreneurs still think they need to spend money to get a good website, and that is simply not true anymore. I am a really big fan of Square Online. That's what I use for my Fudge Business's website, and I created a free tutorial that will walk you through how to set up a totally free website in less than one hour. And in case you think free also means cheap, it's actually quite the opposite. I think Square Online is hands down the very best website tool for most cottage food businesses, and it's even better than any of the other paid services out there. So if you want to learn more, you can check out my free tutorial by going to forger.com slash website. All right, so I have Fazia O'Day on the show today. Fazia lives in Norwood, Ohio, and sells cheesecake and other baked goods with her food business, Foe's Bakery. Fazia grew up in Palestine and has always loved baking Palestinian desserts, but when she moved to the U.S. 10 years ago, she started experimenting with American baked goods as well. And after a lot of encouragement from family and friends, she finally started to sell her home-baked cakes, cookies, and pies in 2017. But with three young kids to take care of, she mostly just sold to family and friends for the first few years. But then, after the pandemic hit in 2020, things really started to change. Orders started to pick up, she joined a training program for chefs, and then received a grant which gave her free access to a shared commercial kitchen for a full year. And with access to that incubator kitchen, she could start selling what she really wanted to sell, cheesecake. Fazia now makes an unbelievable number of flavors of cheesecake, her most popular of which is baklava cheesecake. So very unique. That cheesecake is two cultures merged into one, kind of like Fazia herself. Since starting to sell cheesecake, her business has really picked up and continues to grow. She now has over 3,500 followers on Facebook, and today we're going to walk through her journey and see how it all unfolded. And with that, let's jump right into this episode. Welcome to the show, Fazia. Nice to have you here. Hi, how are you? Good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, can you walk me back to not just the beginning of your business, but I guess when you came over to the States? Sure. I did move to the state 10 years ago, I would say now. And actually, I moved here with my husband. My husband has been here for 27 years, but we met in Palestine and we got engaged and I moved here with him. At the beginning, it was just passion and just posting what I do for that day or what dessert did I have or what food did I cook that day. And then after that, a lot of people start asking, are you selling this? Is that your business? And I was like, no, it's just a passion. I'm not selling any. And then my husband, one time, he was like, are you sure you're not going to start selling that? Because it tastes amazing and you're doing great with the cooking and the dessert. And that time went clicks. So I was like, I think I need people to try it and see how it goes from there. So when did you actually start selling your baked goods? I would say it start 2017, but it was just for like really close friend and like neighbors. So it was really small at the beginning. And then it started really selling a lot during COVID time, 2020. That went like, yes, 
I do have this business and I'm doing it. And that when it get all started. All right. So you were just baking for a number of years and it sounds like things really kicked off during the pandemic, but you also have kids, right? You have three kids? I do. I do have three kids, two boys and a girl. So how old were they when you started to sell? Actually, when I start to promote that I'm going to open that bakery and start to sell, she was six months old. And then after that, when it really kicked, she was three years old. So I got my youngest, she was three. And then my oldest, he was, I would say, six and then five and three. Wow. So pretty young, right? And you're trying to start a business on top of it. Yeah, actually, the main idea of starting this business is like, I'm going to start something for me. You know, when they grow up, everybody's like their college, their life. And I don't want to sit and feel like, what did I do? I don't have anything to keep myself busy with. And I was like, yes, I think I'm going to start it now. And it will stay slowly and steady until they all grow up. And then, yes, that's my project. Actually, I'm starting just like my youngest baby now. So Foyce Baker is my fourth baby, and I'm starting slowly and steady. So you're just baking for fun because you're passionate about it. And then you got people who were asking to buy things. What was your first order like? My first order was a friend of mine, and she asked for a bridal shower order. And I was like, oh, wow, for how many people? And she's like, I need it for 50 people. And I was like, are you sure you wanted me to do it for you? And it was just basic stuff, cupcakes and chocolate dipped strawberries. And I was like, okay, I'll take it and see how it goes. And it was really fun doing that. And it went great, actually. I really liked it. So did you have any kind of training or how are you learning and improving your skills? YouTube. <laughs> I didn't train at all. I didn't went to any schools or university for that. The first time I learned something about cheesecake, it was through YouTube. And then I start trying the recipes and it need a little bit sugar, need less sugar, need a little bit flavor and then work on it and improve myself. Yeah, your products are pretty interesting, right? Because they're kind of a blend of Palestine and American. And so was it when you came over to the States that you started just experimenting with American baked goods? That's true. So I have been like loving baking and cooking since I was like 10 years old. But when I moved here to America, and was like really missing home. And every time I tried something sweet or a dessert, it was like really sweet and a lot of sugar going on and not giving me the same taste that I used to have in Palestine. So I was like, I'm going to try to make my own recipe with less sugar, more flavor and expose it to other people and see how they like it, blending my culture to their culture and see how it works. And that what when I came up with baklava cheesecake. So I blended the baklava with the cheesecake and it was a big hit. A lot of people was like, I really love baklava, but never had it with a cheesecake. So the first time when I moved here, my husband is like, let's try some cheesecake. And I was like, what's cheesecake? And he's like, you never have tried cheesecake? He's like, actually, no. 
in Palestine, we do have all type of dessert, but never heard anything called cheesecake. And he's like, okay, let's go ahead and try it. And the first time when I tried it, I was like, I'm not going to go ahead and order anything crazy. Let me try the basic original New York style cheesecake with strawberry topping. And I loved it. But the only problem that I had, it's like, it is really too sweet for me. Like I cannot handle that much sugar. Like every bite, it's like, I can taste other ingredients, but the sugar, it was overpowering other ingredients. And I was like, I think I'm going to go ahead and try to do mine and see how it goes. I look at the internet and YouTube and it's like, there's a lot of recipes and basically they're all the same because it's the same ingredients. So the first time I tried to do my own cheesecake, it was New York style cheesecake. And then when I eat it, it's like, yeah, I really love it, the flavor of it. And then I start mixing flavors and that how it goes from there. It's like, okay, now let me try it with baklava because I really like the cinnamon and the walnut and the almond crunch in them, in my food, in my dessert. So I went and I was hosting Thanksgiving in my house that day. And then my husband was like, what is this? And the family is like, what is this? And I was like, baklava cheesecake. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, it's a baklava cheesecake. Because when you look at it in the, the cheesecake itself, you cannot imagine that it's filled with cheesecake. Because it's like cheesecake wrapped with phyllo dough and topped with almond, walnut, and cinnamon. They tried it and it was like, how do you come up with this thing? I told my sister-in-law, it was like, I really like the cheesecake taste, but I really like baklava too. And it was like, well, why not combine them together? Because when I moved here, I'm a Palestinian knowing nothing about American culture. And then it's like two culture in one dish. So that was my main idea of that cheesecake. It's so interesting that you have this product that is a blend of, you know, the East and the West. And it's almost like a representation of yourself. Yeah. So do you have a lot of customers that are Palestinian? I do have Palestinian customers. But I would say I have more of American customers, like the people that would like to try more flavors and like something different. But I do have listening customers. Yeah. So the cheesecake, I mean, I know the baklava cheesecake is such a unique item, but you have really just created so many different kinds of cheesecake. It was just unbelievable to me going through your social feed. I would say you definitely have set the record for the most flavors I have seen of an item from any cottage food business. And I actually went through and I counted them up really quickly and I counted over 80 different flavors that you have created of cheesecake. Yeah, that's true. Like every time trying something or asking people around me about their favorite flavors and what they like, and I was like, okay, it's a lot. But at the same time, it's like letting people know that if you like something or if you're passionate about something, you can do it. And a lot of people was like, how do you come up with all this flavor? And I was like, just look around you. Basically, when I stand in the kitchen and look around myself, blueberry, lemon, they could work together, orange and chocolate. And it's like just looking around my kitchen and there were a lot of fruits and like flavor that we can combine together and have it as a cheesecake or as a dessert. 
And I do like to add a lot of fruit in my dessert so it can reduce a lot of sugar. So my main idea about not just having a a business or not just having a bakery, it's like reducing sugar as much as I can. And a lot of people like, it's not going to taste the same. And I will go, I promise you, it will taste the same. You don't have to have that much sugar to enjoy the dessert that you want. And it's like, this is one main idea and purpose for me. It's like reducing sugar as much as I can, because I do have kids. And when I just go through what the kids can eat, and it's a lot of sugary stuff. My kids used to snack on fruits as their dessert and vegetables as their like chips. So I was like, I want a lot of people to have this idea too. You don't have to have a ton of sugar to fix your sweet tooth, right? So you have the baklava cheesecake. That seems like it's a really popular one. What are some of the other, of the 80 plus flavors you've created, what are some of the ones that really stand out and have been really popular? I would say blueberry lemon, baklava, strawberry crunch, the brownie one, Oreo, and the chocolate chip cookie one. And then the cream brulee one, the people always asking, like it's always people asking for me to. So I would say six flavors that they are really, most people will like to try them. And I see that you change your menu up every single week, right? Can you explain what you do? Yeah. So my strategy is to do something called Foz Bakery Monday menu. So every Monday I will have three flavors and you can choose from them. Actually, I would say two flavors because the baklava, it's always in every menu. So it's always available fresh. But every Monday, I will try to add two other flavors for the people to like order. Some people will like to have the fruity type of cheesecake, like fruits and cheesecake. And other type will like it just chocolate or caramel. So every Monday, I would go ahead and post a menu, three flavors. And it's been working like that for the past two years. So let's say you come out with your Monday menu, right? And on Wednesday, somebody or whenever you need to order by somebody says, oh, could I get the, you know, I I know you have your menu, but could I get a chocolate mint cheesecake instead? Would you say no? No, I would not. I, I will take the order, of course. But a lot of people will like, what can I order? What what do you have? And then like, that's where the idea came. It's like, okay, people will ask me, what do I have? And maybe they're not going to like it, or it's not what they're feeling like. So I'm going to go ahead and do that Monday menu. But a lot of people will come and like, can I order from last week menu? And instead of this week menu, it's like, yeah, of course, we still can do that for you. It's not always, it's, I would say it's a rate, like I will have this type of request once a week. So it's not a lot of people will come and it's like, I want to order something from three weeks ago. Yeah. So most people would just put out their menu, right? Well, I have these 12 different cheesecakes you can order, but this is like a marketing thing, right? Like you're only putting out this select menu just to get it on people's mind. Exactly. Yeah. So it seems like that's been working well. And I know you have a larger menu than just cheesecake. What else do you sell? I do sell cheesecakes, cakes like birthday cakes, any occasion cakes. And then I do have brownies, cupcakes, and macarons. And has your menu changed over time? 
No, it's the same thing since I started. Like I will have my menu it was like cheesecakes, cakes, and cupcakes, and then cookies and brownies. I just added macaroon recently because I do really like macarons. And I was like, a lot of people, it's like, it's challenging. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. It's like, hmm, let me try. I would say it is really challenging and it's a process. It took me like forever to fix my recipe. But when I get the hang of it, it's like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start selling it. So with the baklava cheesecake, you've obviously merged East and West. What are some of the other uh, instances where you've combined something from your home country with uh, American baked good? I did the knafa cheesecake too. That's true. And the cookie butter, this one too. Baklava, the knafa, and the cookie butter cheesecake, they were like, oh, what is this flavor? And it was like, I have to like pull an, uh, a picture to let people see. And it was like, oh, okay, now I understand what it is. So yeah, three flavors. So you, you have your like weekly menus, right, that you put out on social. And then you also make a pretty big deal about having a holiday menu, right? That's true. I know when I moved here to America, as I told you, as a growing up in Palestine, I just know my holidays, which is three festivals. Like we have Ramadan that we fast for 30 days from sun up to sundown. And then after that, we do have Eid al-Fitr, which is like the end of that month. And it's basically a big gathering. We go ahead and be with the family. And basically, I would say like Thanksgiving type of thing. And then after that, we have Eid al-Adha, which is after finishing the pilgrim in Mecca. And then I would say it's more like people will get together and have a lot of fun and activities like kids are playing together, having family over. Some families will travel from the U.S. to other places like to visit their families. Basically, it's like Christmas type thing. And it keeps changing every year. The time and the date change every year. So when I moved here to America, and I was like, what is Thanksgiving? What is Christmas? And I felt like, oh, yeah, it's basically the same as my holidays, but in a different culture. And I was like, if people will have that holiday and they will have a lot of family coming over and there's a lot of people, why not me as a Palestinian Muslim? And I was like helping at least with their dessert. It's going to be something cool, right? So I started from there and it's like every holiday I will have my holiday menu and they can choose from it. So it's just a holiday thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's so interesting because, you know, obviously you're a Muslim, but you do like have an Easter menu. You do have a Christmas menu, but you don't have like a Ramadan menu, right? You don't have a menu for your own holidays. Is there a reason or is it just because you think it wouldn't be popular enough? I would disagree on this one. So I did have that menu and it was for my community. So it was a community menu. I would post it on their website. So I did have a Ramadan menu and I did have the Eid al-Adha menu. And, but I, I didn't post it on my page. I posted it on my community page, which is like through the mosque. And then from there, I got the orders. Because if I post it on my Instagram page, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be a lot of explanations like what is this flavor and what it does have. And a lot of people's like, they're not going to understand exactly what it is. So if I told you, would you like to have Kataif? And I was like, what is Kataif? 
And like basically it's a pancake that's filled with almond, cinnamon, and walnuts. And you can bake it or you can fry it. And I will serve it with rose water syrup. And it was like, what is rose water syrup? But if I go ahead and post it in my community page, they will exactly understand that this type of dessert is just for Ramadan and it's easier for me. So I went in like the easiest way. Walking back to the beginning of your business, you you were selling just a little bit and you said the pandemic really kicked things into gear. So can you take me through the year 2020? What was that like? So year 2020, through a friend, she introduced me to a nonprofit organization in Covington, Kentucky. And then that organization, they have a program that called Fresh Low Program. They will teach you everything about how to start a business and exactly as a food business. And they will teach you some of the skills that you need to start this business. And then she's like, why not go ahead and apply for it and see how it goes? And then I went and I applied for it and I got it. It was a really fun experience because I spent, I would say, three months of learning how to start your own business, the small business. And then from that program, they introduced me to the kitchen that I'm working, that I'm renting now, that called the Incubator Kitchen. Every year they will have a grant and five people will win a free rent. So you will go ahead and start using the kitchen for a whole entire year, but you don't have to pay the rent for it. I would say it was 2020 when I applied for that grant and I I won. And that helped me a lot for starting my business because if I were that time in 2020 thinking about just go ahead and rent a kitchen and start my own business, I would say, no, I'm not financially able to do that. But when that grant I want, it helps me a lot. For me, it was a really big deal because before having the kitchen, I was not selling cheesecake. The only thing I was selling is the cakes and the cupcakes, maybe cookies and brownies but not cheesecakes because I knew that I cannot do cheesecakes in my house. So 2020, when all start and I got the grant for the kitchen. And after that, the owner of the kitchen, she did really help me a lot with my financial, how to work step by step toward my goals and how to help me reach a lot of people. I don't know if you go ahead and open my Instagram page, you can see that I won that grant. And from there, everything starts to kick really good. And I start to sell a good amount of cheesecake. So after that, 2021, the free rent is all done and you have to start paying your own rent. But I was prepared to do that because the whole entire year that I have in the kitchen without paying the rent, I was saving for the next year. So I was like, okay, I have to start saving for the next year so I can pay the rent and keep my business going. Now that you know, like you've obviously got into the incubator kitchen, you had this shared commercial kitchen space to work with for free and your business took off. Do you feel like knowing that now you should have gone back and invested or like found a way to invest in a commercial kitchen? Like, is that a step that you would have taken sooner? Of course. So before, as I told you, it was all a passion. So it's like something that I really like and really enjoy and I'm doing it. But thinking back of foes of 2019 or I would say 2018, 
And I was like, I don't think I'm going to have any kitchen or like have any line selling from. It's going to stay as a passion. But everything that start because of two main things, the program that I signed for and they teach me how to start my own business and then for the grant that I won from the Incubator Kitchen Collective. So let's say you, you got into the Fresh Low Chef program, right? You got those skills, you applied for the Incubator Kitchen, and I know many more people applied than got in. Like, let's say you just didn't get selected, right? Where would your business be today, do you think? A passion, just posting on Instagram as my business would be in 2015. Not even thinking about having a big business because that opened a lot of doors for me. Not just open doors, open my mind to a lot of ideas and a lot of ways to have it the easiest way. Is it with uh, having an industrial kitchen? Because imagine you have to sell that amount of cheesecake from home. What? It's, it's impossible. It's like a lot of work and a lot of risk. And then you have kids in the house and you live in that house. So I was not thinking of selling everything under just my house. So the kitchen obviously was great. You know, you can make your products, but there's also like a community element, right? You're working around other businesses. Do you feel like the community element of the kitchen was important? Of course. Yeah. The community of that kitchen helps a lot with like, well, I was just new to everything. Like everything was new to me, not knowing anything about like, yeah, I need to have my label fixed or where can I find my package, how to package that thing or where to buy the packaging or the ingredients, where is the cheapest that you can have in a really good quality to help your business keep growing. So it was a lot of help having this big community in the kitchen too. You know, obviously the kitchen was helpful so you could sell cheesecake, which has become your most popular item. But also, it's kind of unique, right? Because you are in Norwood, right? By Cincinnati, and you are literally on the edge of, you know, the Ohio-Kentucky border. And your kitchen is in Kentucky. So has there been any issue? I guess there wouldn't be because it's a commercial kitchen. But maybe that would have been something you would have had to think about, like whether you could actually sell in Kentucky or now that you're producing in Kentucky, if you could sell back in Ohio, right? Has there been any issues legally with having to sell in two states or having to make it one state and sell it in another? I would say no, thank God. The thing that helps a lot is the kitchen itself. It's prepared under all rules for two states. So as soon as you get in that kitchen and then the health department will come and examine you. And if you pass, you're ready. So I would say, no, it was not a lot of challenging selling from Newport, Kentucky to Ohio. So it was not a problem. So let's talk a little bit about pricing, right? Like how have you priced your products and how has that changed over time? I would say I start to feel the change now because everything is expensive now. Cream cheese is expensive. Sour cream is expensive. Packaging is getting expensive. So I would say I price it by having them, how much does it cost me? And then how much time do I have put in that order? Can you give a rundown of like, you know, how big your cheesecakes are, what the prices are, 
Are they all the same price? And then maybe the prices of some of your other menu items. I do have three sizes of the cheesecake. So I have the mini one, which is like four inch cheesecake that will serve two people. So for the baklava one, because it is expensive for me to bake the baklava one, now it's for the mini one, it's $8. But for the eight inch, which is like for medium gathering, it will serve from six to eight people. I would sell it for $45. And then the 10 inch, which is like sort of really big gathering, 10 to 15 people, I would sell it for $65. That's just the baklava itself. But other flavors, because it's like it's less ingredients, so it's cheaper. The four inch, it's $6. The eight inch is 35. And then the 10 inch is 55. Those are pretty pretty good prices, right? I mean, is that standard compared to other bakeries in the area or do customers like sometimes back away at seeing the prices? I don't think so because when it's a quality type of thing. So I think it's a lot of bakery will sell the cheesecake for almost the same prices. So cheesecake itself, it's not cheap dessert, I would say. And, you know, you've got the kitchen, you obviously have the ability to produce them. How are you actually marketing and getting your uh, product out there? Instagram, Facebook, that's the marketing. And it looked like your marketing really, it was like right in lockstep with the kitchen, right? Like all of a sudden you started getting really consistent with posting on social media. Exactly. That's the community help that I got from the kitchen itself because like the owner, Rachel, her name is Rachel. She was like, what about if you describe more about your product? What about if you tell a little bit of a story about your product? And I would say she really helped me a lot through my baking journey. So she got a lot of ideas and she got a lot of communication and she knows a good amount of people and she's always ready to help when you need help. And it's like, if you just text her, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? She's always responsible. And she's like, yeah, let me help you with this. Let's change this to that. That kitchen community helps a lot. I noticed that you, you know, you've got like your weekly menu on social. You got food photos galore. But I haven't seen any pictures of yourself on social. Is that intentional? I would say... I am more of a camera shy type of person. So if this podcast was with a video, I feel like, oh, goodness. But if it's just like audio, I'm fine with it. Do you think that would be a really good strategy to like post about the baker and let people, I would let my customer know more about the baker, me? Oh, yeah, I see that very commonly, right? And I'm an introvert too, right? But people eventually find like if they just let people know who's making all this stuff, you'll probably get a lot of engagement if you were to post a picture of yourself and just share your story a little bit. So I know you kind of get the word out on social media. Where do you actually sell your products? I would say I still just do customers. They will look at the Facebook page or Instagram and it's like, I would like to order this. So I know what you mean. Do you have your baked goods in any other shops? Not yet. I don't have them any other shops yet. I'm still working in two coffee shops, that one in Norwood and one in Covington. But it's like a project that I'm trying to build slowly and steady because my main job is a mom. 
So I was having the same conversation with other business owners. She's a mom too. And she's like, well, you're not going out there and you're not giving samples and you're not trying to sell for other places. And I was like talking to her, my main job is a mom and I don't want to grow that big. So if I told you my schedule now, you're going to feel like I know where she's coming from. So I'm a mom of three. Recently, we just finished soccer for three teams, three different schedules. Now I'm doing basketball, two teams. We're doing taekwondo and we're doing wrestling and we're doing this and we're doing that. And I was like, I'm going to start to get overwhelmed. I know that for sure. My main focus is my kids now. And then when they grow up, I will look back and be like, yes, that's a great idea that I start this business. And people now know Fo's Bakery. I don't have to start from zero. So that's why I'm pausing on selling my product on other places and coffee shops or restaurants. That's why I'm not building it that big because I know my husband will help a lot. And every time I ask for help, he will be there for me. But at the same time, Being a mom, it's my favorite thing. It's like my first thing. If anybody asks me, what are you? It's like, I'm a mom of three. And then Baker will come. When they grow up, it's going to be, yeah, I'm a mom of three, but I am a baker too. And I do have my business and it's running. Yeah, it's it's always a balancing act, right? Because you're starting the business for family and then you have to balance like how much time do you put into the business that will take away from your family So would you say like right now, where are you in terms of number of orders a week? Are you happy with how many orders you get? Do you feel overwhelmed or do you want to grow a little bit more? I would say I'm between happy and grow a little bit, not too much. I'm in that stage in between. It's like I'm really happy it's working and I'm out there and a lot of people know Foo's Bakery. I would love to have a little bit like more orders, but I will go ahead and answer happy where I am right now because looking back to foes at 2015, I was like not even thinking about having a business or not even imagining myself having a business with kids. So I'm I'm really happy where Foes Bakery now. And so when people order, are you having them come pick up or are you typically delivering to them? Actually, it's a pickup. So I do two location pickups, normal location and then Newport, where the kitchen, where my main workplace is. So it's a pickup only. So I also saw, maybe it's sporadic, right? But you have sold at farmer's markets. You have sold at events, pop-ups. Yeah. So the farmer market, I just do Norwood because it's not every weekend. So it's one Saturday of the month. And I was like, okay, that's fun because my kids will be next to me and with me. So I do have a lot of time to prepare for that market. The every week thing, I don't think I'm ready for it yet. How well do your cheesecakes and other items tend to sell at events? I would say for experience from the normal farmer market, every time I will go there, it's like I will sold out because it's more of my community. So they know me and they tried it before. They will sell it. It goes really good. When you go to like a new event or pop-up, do you have samples that you give out? I do, yeah. And you said that your cheesecake is not as sweet 
as people might be expecting? Like, are people surprised? What's their reaction like when they try your cheesecake? Yeah, uh, the first thing I will say, they're like, when they took a bite, just their face reaction was like, oh, wow. One time I was having a pop-up and the only flavor that I put for sampling was the blueberry lemon cheesecake. And they tried it. And it was like, there's actually blueberries in there. I just loved the, the reaction of their favor. Like, I can taste every single flavor that she's talking about. I can taste the cheesecake, the cheesecake itself, and then the blueberry and then the lemon. So it's all about how you combine flavors and reduce sugar as much as it can. So as you think back over the course of your business, are there any stories or memorable moments that stand out in your mind? Yeah, I remember one event that happened. It was a customer who's from Egypt. And it was like, he lives his whole entire life here in, in the United States. And it was like, I really would like to try the baklava cheesecake. Because as I'm thinking about it, it's basically two culture in one dish. And I was like, yeah, sure. He ordered his cheesecake and I was having a small sample for him to try it. Because when you look at the amount of excitement that he put in writing the order, it was like, oh my God, I wish I can just see his face when he tried it. And I still remember when he did try the cheesecake, he stopped tearing. And I was like, oh my God, my cheesecake is that bad? And he's like, absolutely not. But when I try the first bite, it's like a flashback took me from where I'm standing now to Egypt, where my grandma and my family is. Like he's here with his mom and dad, but not the whole entire family. So his grandma, grandpa, uncles, and everybody in the family in Egypt. And he started talking to me about every summer how he go back to Egypt. And he's like, the amount of flavor that I'm having in one bite make me remember every single moment that I spent there. Because that moment when he started like, talking about his family and his summers and his grandma and grandpa, it's make me felt like, yeah, I did something that he really liked and he enjoyed. And after that, he gave me a gift card. And I think, you know, it was so amazing. How did he describe it? I, I posted on my Instagram his note because it was like, there is really nice people out there and they're always giving you a feeling that you did something really nice or you're doing good. This moment, it was really nice. I still remember it. As you think back on your home country of Palestine, I imagine quite different from Ohio, right? Like, what are the things that you miss from your home country? Oh, it's a big difference. <laughs> when I moved here, the first thing that was different for me is the weather. There in Jerusalem, in Palestine, it's more of nice summer, not humid summer. And the winter is mild. And I really missed everything there. I have not been there for, I would say, six years now. I was planning to go there and then COVID hit and canceled everything. And then I didn't give the chance to go back yet. You ask the question in the right time, getting emotional. So <laughs> I miss everything there. It's a lot. My whole entire family is there. I just moved here with my husband, just myself. Growing up in a fa in a big family, like growing up with six sisters, two brothers. So we are a pretty big family. And then moving here with my husband, I do have my in-laws here, which is a blessing. 
it's like make it easier on me when having in-laws and like you don't feel like you are alone the first two years a lot of people like it's the most hard two years for me because nobody here in my case I do have my in-laws that help a lot you don't feel like you don't have anybody around you until you start meeting people so I really missed everything there funny story winter of 2012 moving from Palestine to here so in Palestine it didn't snow at all like you don't wake up in the winter and you find white everywhere so I remember the first time it snowed here in America I was so exciting and it's like oh my god I felt like a toddler or like a five years old who's like seeing the snow and it's amazing I couldn't handle not being outside for like almost two hours until I start feeling it's like my hands are freezing I need to go inside So it's a totally different, not just language, it's a different culture, different people and different weather from Palestine to here. When you moved over a decade ago, did you already speak English? Nope. I learned everything here. What was that transition like? Oh, my God. Well, in Palestine, they teach us English, but not to be able to converse, like conversation English. We just teach the alphabet and then how to build a sentence, how to read it. But it, I would say it's a British English. But when I moved here, I was like, oh, my God, I understand some of it, but they're talking so fast. I can't. It took me two years to get a hold really good with the language. The thing that helped me is First of all, I took a class for three months and then it did help. But the main thing that helped a lot and when, I'm, when I had my first baby, when I had my oldest, the thing that helped is library story times and then kids shows, the shows that you have in TV that helped my language a lot. Well, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. I perused through your Instagram feed and I could actually just see the progress of English just from one year to the next in your post. So I saw a post where you said that this is like your American dream. Can you expand on that? Well, when I moved here, I heard a lot of it's the land of opportunities. And if you have any dreams, when you focus on it, it will work. So moving here to America, dreaming about having a business and then finally work to have that small business. It was like a dream for me at the beginning. It's still, it is a dream. I was scrolling through my Instagram the other day and I was like thinking about Foz when she was 12 years old, 10 years old. And now I would never, ever imagine myself as a baker. I know I love to cook and bake, But it was not as having it as a business. So it is an American dream because moving to America and starting this dream here, and it did work. So you feel like if you had never moved over, you wouldn't have started a bakery in Palestine? No, no. In Palestine, I was more of a, I would say, I was like when I finished high school, the thing that was like, I'm a, I wanted really to study languages. So I would imagine me being a teacher of different language, maybe English, maybe French, but not a baker, no. As you look into the future, what are your goals for Foe's Bakery? 
I am dreaming to have a food truck, but just serve Bo's Bakery dessert and have it in many events, maybe weddings. Yeah, that's a dream. Well, it's pretty amazing what you have been able to build with this business so far. And I know you're still on an upward trajectory. So if somebody would like to learn more about you, where can they find you or how can they reach out? Through my Facebook, Instagram, or my Gmail account, forcebakery at gmail.com. All right. Well, I'll include links to those in the show notes, but thank you so much, Fozia, for coming on and sharing with us today. Thank you so much for having me. That wraps up another episode of the Forger podcast. For more information about this episode, go to forger.com slash podcast slash 79. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a quick moment right now and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't have to be a long review, but it's truly the best way to support this show and will help others like you find this podcast. And finally, if you're thinking about selling your own homemade food, check out my free mini course where I walk you through the steps you need to take to get a cottage food business off the ground. To get the course, go to cottagefoodcourse.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.